0: Alright, hi there everybody. Welcome to our podcast. We still don't have a name for it. We're still looking for a name for it. I think it's still listed as Boozy Banter on, uh, on iTunes, but maybe one of these days it'll change to something uh, to something good. Anyway, um, we have a brand new one here for you. just want to give you a quick introduction. Um, if you don't know how this works, we actually we recorded this uh, earlier this week uh, at a bar in New York City and we took questions during the hour. Took some comments uh, from people who watched it live on Meerkat. Meerkat's one of those one of those new live streaming apps they have. And uh, had a special guest this week. Um, she is uh, from uh, Public Radio. She's the host of a uh, a very popular podcast. A podcast that I said to her has uh, has the best title of any podcast I've ever heard. It's called Death, Sex, and Money. It's it's a podcast that's about. Taboo topics. It's about things that people think about a lot, but they, she says, they need to talk about more. Um, and she has a uh, uh, she has a knack for getting uh, for drawing out, you know, people's sort of uh, inner inner turmoil and, and inner secrets. As, as you as you'll find out, she uh, she kind of did that with me. So uh, Anna Sale is her name. She's the host of Death, Sex, and Money, uh, a great podcast, and she was a guest this week on my podcast, which you are about to listen to. So enjoy. Live on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. It's a Sunday night, and we're doing a couple things here. If you've been tuning in regularly, you probably already know this by now, but if not, let me explain how this is working. Right now, it's Sunday night. It's 8 o'clock. We're live here in New York City, and we're broadcasting this. We're live-streaming this on Meerkat. So anybody on Meerkat watching this right now. They can interact with us. They can ask questions, make comments, make fun of me, whatever you want to do. The next hour, be a part of this conversation. You're a part of this show too. We have a special guest with us for the next hour. I'll introduce her in just a minute. But this is also something you may be listening to this a few days from now because we also turn around when the show is over tonight and we turn this into a podcast. We've got a whole podcast page up and you can get it on iTunes and you can share it with people. One thing we don't have yet I say this every week, I'm like a broken record, we don't have a title, we don't have a name for the podcast yet, I think it says Boozy Banter, I don't like the name Boozy Banter, it, I, you know, so we're still looking for a new one, right now we're officially calling this Untitled Podcast with Steve Kornacki, so keep that in mind if you've got a better suggestion, I know people have been tweeting at me, and if you come up with one you think is gold, tweet it at me, I'll steal it, I'll pretend I didn't get it from you, and then I'll, I'll make all the money from that, so without any further ado, let me introduce, oh, And also, so it's Meerkat, and it's a a podcast, and then this week, for the first time ever, I am told, this is also going to air, the video that's being taken from Meerkat is going to air on Shift. Shift, is it, what's the address? MSNBC.com. MSNBC.com slash Shift. (laughs) So that's very, very exciting. A Shift show, ladies and gentlemen. We're at... Officially a shift show. Um, let me introduce tonight's guest. So this is this is very exciting. I am really looking forward to this conversation because tonight's guest has, well, first of all, has the best title. We're saying we have no title for our podcast. Our guest has the best title for any podcast out there. Uh, she started out, she was a political reporter. She covered the 2012 campaign. She covered the New York mayor's race in 2013. And since then, she has hosted her own podcast, WNYC, the public radio station in New York, produces it. It is called Death, Sex, and Money. What a title! What a great title! I mean, it pulls you in. So, this is—I I, want to just—I want to make sure I get this right. They said this is a great description of it. They talk about big questions and hard choices that are often left out of polite conversation. So, obviously, in polite conversation, we skirt around death, we skirt around sex, we skirt around money. But they get into it head-on. It's a really—it's a—it's—it's a—it's a great title. It's also just a really interesting podcast. It's—it's it's sort of. Um, Well, we'll have her talk about it. But anyway, she is Anna Sale. She is here tonight. Welcome. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you. This is very exciting. So, well, let me just start with the name. Um, Did you come up with
1: the name yourself, Death? I did. That's my first piece of advice, is name your podcast.
0: (laughs) We probably should have done that before now. Is that what you're trying to say?
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I was uh, walking my dog, and I was kind of trying, uh, WNYC had a contest where they opened up to the whole staff for new show ideas. So I was like, what if I could make something that would be my dream job, what would it be? And I was kind of thinking about interviews and what would I want to talk to people about. And I thought of the name Death, Sex and Money as the thing that encapsulated all the things that we like secretly, you know, try to figure out in the back of our heads, but feel really alone in. And it cracked me up when I thought of it. And so I was like, that, that'd be really funny. Did, did, they, did
0: they love the title right away? Like this, this, this works. Like I, the title's so good. I don't even know the show yet. Build the show around it. We got the title. Like
1: I don't know if it was that enthusiastic of a response, <laughs> but they didn't ask me to change it. So, so it was. They, they did insist it was funny. And one of them, we were like, well, what will the logo look like? And we decided the comma between death and sex was really key. So it didn't look like we were talking about death sex.
0: Can I, can I tell you this? <laughs> actually, somebody, I've been promoting this on Twitter all day, and that was one of the yeah. one of the responses was somebody who thought we were talking about necrophilia. Yeah. So this, it's actually, yeah. I think you're... For clarity's sake, we added the comma. Right. Yeah. Well, so okay, but how did you get... You covered politics. You, you, you covered the mayor's race here in 2013. Mm-hmm. How did... Is, this is just this idea of these taboo subjects is just something you've always been sort of fascinated
1: by? Um, it actually really started in 2012 what I did to cover the campaign was covered swing states and I went on road trips and would stop and talk to voters all over the place and those were the most interesting conversations and the most interesting reporting I did and it was all about where people were in their lives and what they were freaked out about but when I would you know put it into the form of a political story you have a little anecdote at the top you know and then what does this mean for the polls and what does this mean for this particular county in iowa when i wanted to just keep exploring why this particular woman voter in this county in colorado who just got divorced and now has kids in college and is worried about student loans like that was a more interesting story to me than whether obama or romney was up or down so that was sort of what and also the artifice of political coverage got old you know where you're talking around things so much um so this was sort
0: of my reaction to that. Yeah, so, and, and I encourage everybody on, on Meerkat to be, you know, sending in, you know, comments. You have questions you have. I mean, she, the, 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 if you haven't listened to this podcast uh, that Anna does, you, you should. Um, I get a couple examples uh, of some of the, some of my favorites. You did one on cheating. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's interesting, I mean, so you sometimes you're using their real name, sometimes for obvious reasons you're protecting them. But I mean, you're talking to people, real people who are, who are confiding in you, you know, casually, it it almost sounds, just the the details of, you know, I was in this marriage for five years, and then I got curious, and I did this, and then this happened, this is how I internalized it, this is how I rationalized it, I I have so many, like, how do you find these people, first of all?
1: Well, that episode was one of an example of, of pretty soon after we started, when you say you're going to explore death, sex, and money, what I was really surprised by was people just start emailing you stories, like very personal stories in our show inbox, and the cheating episode, we just said to our listeners... Hey, we're collecting stories about cheating. Send us emails. Send us voice memos from your smartphone. Do
0: they, do they use their? When they send us, do they use their real email they addresses it, uh-huh. or? Are they, so that they're yeah. like they're like looking to unburden they,
1: themselves. Yeah. Is that? Yeah, and they're putting a lot of trust in us, which was you know really um, a privilege. And then we stitched together stories about people who cheated and people who were cheated on and explored like. You know, not so much about, you know, monogamy versus non monogamy, but like, what is it? What is the betrayal and, and how do you deal with that? And how do you get over it if you want to stay together? When do you decide to leave? Hey,
0: what's it, what's it like doing those interviews when you're, I mean, you're. it's so raw, right? I mean, you're getting, sometimes you're getting people, in that episode it struck me, there, there are some people who were sort of unapologetic about it and just, you know, this is what I did and this is what happened. But there are other people who are just racked with terrible, Guilt, and it destroyed their lives. And and you're and you're you're talking to them. What is that experience like?
1: I mean, it's I mean, for somebody who's curious and just get to ask people for like, well, tell me more about that. Well, what was that like? Because it's it's real stories. It's not you know tabloid or soap opera versions of stories. These are real people's lives. And so it's to know what went through your head when you decided to start that relationship with that guy who you knew had a wife and a kid what was that and to just explore it um it's really interesting because so much you know if, you, if you're not ever asked to like put your ra- like put your rationalizations to words there's a lot that you can um let yourself get away with but then to have those conversations and kind of try to poke at them and see when we're actually pulling this stuff out how do you feel about it
0: interesting so so that's that's sort of the the, the sex side of this But and, and now the, i mean you say the title death sex and money doesn't literally you don't literally have to only cover death no, sex, and money. this is yeah but so when you talk about like death so it's everybody's scared of death because,
1: well, because what it's if, scary but it's, ter- <laughs> oh, it's terrifying it's terrifying yeah. i get
0: i'm good for like this happens to this has been happening to me since i i i was I don't know, six years old, I'm good for this four or five times a year, I, I'll be sitting in a room somewhere, sometimes it's in my bedroom late at night, and, and sometimes it's in the work, it's in my office, sometimes in a restaurant, and if, if people around me ever wonder what this is going on, I'll tell you now, it's like, I get into this thing where I just start thinking about death, and it just comes to my mind for some reason, and it takes about a minute, and I start thinking about the concept of just an eternity of nothing. And I think of like, all, all the all the millions of years before I was born, you know, I'm like, it's that except it will never end in me being. And then I, I, my, I physically, my heart rate, like quickens. I get tense. I get frantic. It's terrifying to me, and I have to get up and leave. I have to go outside. Like I have to be like around people, or I just it's 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 a, it is it's absolutely terrifying to me. And I don't know, I you know I don't know what to say about it, but it's you know. <laughs> You're right. I, You're now right. I'm seeing how people confess to you. They want. They right. They want to. Like, <laughs>
1: um yeah i mean i think when i was thought of having death the first name of the podcast it was more it was like really talking about death but also like yolo you know like there's something about like that that we have limited time here and it's about like taking responsibility for you know all of our all of us trying to find purpose in life and um so it's a bit about exploring like what happens in death we just we just ran an episode with a sixth generation funeral director from a small town in pennsylvania and he talked about the way his work uh has really been difficult for him he's in his early 30s and after 10 years in the funeral business he was burned out and so and he struggled with depression and like what is that like when death is in your face every single day um but it's that's not what every episode is about, so. No, I wanted to cover that. I wanted to cover. You, you, that. I you, you won't cover be it. triggered every time, but I think it is important to like, you know, it's. it's <laughs> we'll a, be triggered. Like, I think it's it's important, like, you know, that's that's a reality, like, and I think that men. This is my theory, my working theory, and I'm interested in what people think about this. I think that uh, men experience that, like. Um, Response to their mortality in their mid-30s in a way that's like more dramatic and severe than women because for women We have that if you're at all contemplating family You have that existential crisis when you're thinking about your relationships your biological clock What the purpose of your life is going to be whether it involves having kids or not having kids? So I think men like for men. It's like holy fucking shit like what is, excuse me for cursing. Well, no, it's interesting to say
0: that, because this is what I'm curious, like, when you have these conversations, because I'm looking at the comments we're getting in right now on Meerkat, Mm -hmm. and I, I, just somebody wrote back, you know, when you're dead, you're dead, or "or, don't worry, Steve, when you're dead, you won't feel anything, and these are, when I talk to people about, about death, and I share what I just did, like, that's what I always hear back, comments like, very nonchalant, like, nothing to be afraid of, it's peaceful, it's the concept of rest. Do you, do you think... That's. I hear that more often than people telling me. You know what? I agree with you, Steve. This is terrifying. You, is, are people putting up a front when they say that? Or do you find or like? Do you, do you have? if you, you ask them a few questions? Or they say, Yeah, actually, I scream in terror at the concept of death.
1: Well, I. It's. We. I've had some really interesting conversations about aging. So that's. You know, which is all about realizing and confronting your mortality, but also losing your vitality and the mourning that comes with that. I talked to a guy named Robert O'Keen, who's a wonderful Texas musician. I love him. And we talked about sex at the end of our interview, and he talked about mourning the loss of his sex drive as if it was like losing a loved one because it so much changed the way he felt moving around and how people reacted to him. Um, But I guess, you know, some some people's attitude is when you're dead, you're dead, you don't feel anything, but like People go to church for a reason, people who are religious, and a lot of church services are about what happens after you die, so this is not something that you and I are alone in thinking about. No, right. You know, no, I was raised Catholic. I mean, I was yeah. raised with
0: all of the, you know, your, and I still would like to, to believe it. I just, it was one of those, like, when I think back at it, I was like, uh, I was a kid, and and you know, I was taught, you know, you pray every night. We go to Mass on Sundays. I did all that, and I, I did it. I, I continue to pray every night, even while I was doing that, at some point, I would have the same, I would go running my, I was seven years old, I would go running my parents' room three times a year in the middle of the night because I was, I was. so at some level I got the idea of like this may not be true even though I still did it and I think a lot of people who, who go to church, I, I think they probably still have those doubts even if they don't want to, well so enough of the death, well we can revisit the death <laughs> later, what, so now we touched a little bit on death, we touched a little on sex, then there's the money side of it. Yeah. So people don't like to, so
1: well, I,
0: I kind of, I don't know anything about investing. I don't know anything about the banks, I don't know anything about the business world, but money, and I know it's not, it's not polite in, 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 in polite company, you don't ask like, how much do you make? Or here's, so I, I get that. But beyond that, why is money a taboo subject?
1: Oh, I think because it's impolite and it's also so much about status. And so it's so uncomfortable to talk about because you're either indicating perhaps that you have more money than you feel like you've earned and there's shame around that. Maybe you don't have as much as you like to present to the world. Um, And it's all about kind of figuring out where you feel like you measure up against the people around you. Um, And we don't, we've never really talked about class in this country. So I think we don't, we don't have the skills to talk about, to talk about it.
0: You had, there was one, uh, one of your podcasts, I also thought was interesting. I'm remembering was, uh, there was a woman, it was a couple. They were an older couple. You you incorporate different themes. They kind of all, all combine. There was a couple. They were in their 50s or their 60s, and they were refusing to get married. They were in mm. love. They wanted to get married. They refused to get married because if they Andrew. got married, they they would lose uh,
1: Medicaid eligibility. Right, right, right. Medi- exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was so,
0: it was so like clinical. Yeah. And they were just making a financial calculation and saying it makes more sense to be single because if one of us gets sick, Medicaid pays for it instead of the other person's savings account. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, which is like. You know, for me, who's, I'm in my 30s. This is not something I've thought about in my financial planning, like, you know, asset distribution and, and, you know, the the tests that are done for caring for or paying for long-term care. But it was so sweet because she was just really, she was so in love with her boyfriend, but didn't know if they should get married or not because her she had a history of dementia in her family and that was the choice they made at this point, that it didn't make sense financially to get married.
0: So we have, uh, just looking at a few of the questions here, somebody was just, uh, or a comment, somebody was just saying a minute ago, uh, look at Helen Mirren. Look how good life can be in your seventies. She's an example of that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, somebody asked what I'm swigging. It's it's Bud Light tonight. Uh, and Anna, Not M-
1: drinking. Drink. Yeah, somebody asked I'm if you're
0: not I'm drinking. Thinking. Steve should buy a round. Sheesh. I did buy a round. But, by the way, just <laughs>
1: telling us to lighten up, just, Steve. Just I think that up. Well, if we <laughs> want to
0: lighten up, here's here's what we can do. Okay. Um, we also do this every week. We have what I call uh, these are icebreaker questions. Okay. So well, this this started when we had uh, Ronan Farrow on the show, and, mm-hmm. and he uh, he works next to. Uh, the next office over for me, and I, I you know, I, I see him every day, but I didn't know him at all, and I didn't hmm. really know what we were going to talk about. So I I came up with some icebreakers, and so I have for you, 15 questions here. Uh, so you pick a number, I'll ask you the question, and and let's see what that
1: uh, what that sparks. Okay, eleven.
0: Number eleven. Okay. It, we tried to gear these. I was going to say we tried to gear these towards uh, uh, towards your show, although this one, I don't know how this one got in here. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: <laughs> Have you ever made yourself sneeze just because it feels good?
1: Oh, you know what? Um, The only way I know how to make myself sneeze, uh, like when you have to sneeze and you look up to the sun, like that's to get the sneeze out. But when you pluck your eyebrows, sometimes it causes you to sneeze. And I have done that before, like knowing I would make myself sneeze.
0: Since this is the theme of your show, I'm going to share another true confession with you. <laughs> and it's, it's sneeze-related. No, <laughs> oh, I thought it was no, no, just, no, no, related. Sneeze- <laughs> re- no, it's sort of. Here's a, here, I've noticed, yes. Um, I won't say that one, but I'll say this one. This, this ties back to your show. Um, I've, ha- I've noticed this thing since I was a kid. And I've, I've asked a few people about this. Romantic thoughts make me sneeze. Really? I don't know what this is, but <laughs> I, it's it's an absolutely. This is a total. I, I am not imagining this connection. This is not. Co- if I, romantic just romantic <laughs> thoughts. I if I think a, a sweet thought about holding hands, and I sneeze. <laughs>
1: I, and I do So here's what we've learned so far. <laughs> about five or six times a year, you have to run out of the office. To see about <laughs> Eternity after you die and the bleakness of that and. <laughs> Oh, you, sneeze. you sneeze. That's See, I, every Do you time sneeze I, in like rom coms? Like when you're watching like a, I mean, mo- in a movie a I've matured okay. to, I've matured
0: out of that. Not since I was twenty five. Um I'm seeing there's something there there every time I, I mention that to people I'm hoping that what I'm gonna get in return is, oh yeah, me too. And I've never gotten that <laughs> I've never gotten that yet. It's um I'm still waiting to find somebody who can who can relate to that, and it, or could explain the science of it to me. Because the other thing, when I sneeze, it hurts my back, and they explained oh, that one to me, okay. but but they never they never they never explain it. But do you like the sensation of sneezing? I think
1: it feels good. Yeah, it does, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's. Okay, yeah. If you don't have a cold, if you have a cold and like then you then it's like and you don't have enough Kleenex, then it's stressful.
0: Also, right. You have a cold. It, it spreads the cold and gives yeah. you the sinus infection, which is the yeah. worst thing you can have. And that that's nothing yeah. romantic about sinus infection no.
1: <laughs> Well, that,
0: I feel that wasn't fair. That was the worst question I had. Let me ask you to—let me ask you to pick another another number, eight. Uh, eight. Okay. Oh, this is a little better. Okay. Again, not related to your show. I. I, I but uh, you can bring back. Well, this is a this is a thing going on right now in, in the entertainment world. You can bring back one show from the '80s or '90s. So they're doing this right now with a lot of shows. Okay. Which one would you bring back?
1: Um, let's see. There's a lot of really good answers to this, but the thing that I think about, like the show that was like such a comfort to me as a kid was um, the game show Press Your Luck with Whammies.
0: What a great show.
1: It's a good show. You,
0: you know the legendary story of the guy who went like 105 rounds on that? No. They almost made this a movie so there was a guy
1: they're gonna bring it back in a movie form <laughs> well they, they
0: they almost did and and it was so this guy um lived in nevada down on his luck had lost all his money whatever and in the early days of the vcr you could he figured out how you could slow down frame by frame and he learned that there were he sat there he got obsessed with the game and he said there's six he learned there were six boards and there was a very predictable pattern to the board so he got on the show and he went through the first round and he intentionally lost her and he got to the second round and he knew exactly at a time to see if you could get like 500 and a spin and if you can keep getting you can go indefinitely yeah. so it, it was pro- the, the show was programmed so that every six spins you'd hit the whammy so he, he gets to 10 he gets to 15 the crowd's going crazy they haven't seen this. he gets to 30 he gets to 40 the place is silent it's crazy the guy is like he's this big guy this beefy guy he's sweating the host doesn't know he goes like 102 rounds of this and finally stops and they couldn't believe it and he admitted. Then he told them after the show what he did, and there was no rule against it. So, yeah. um, and they were going to make a movie of it with Bill Murray. Bill Murray had bought wow. the rights to it. This was, and I was so. And yeah. just, I guess it never happened. But oh. I would watch
1: it. Although it is kind of a boring game show to think of. Like, it is kind of boring. You think so? Well, the game show. I loved it as a kid because the whammies and the animation. But it's, it's just like. It's it's not that yeah.
0: it was, it was high tech for its era. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? Yeah. I mean in nineteen eighty four this flashing board going do yeah. it was like it was more exciting than Wheel of Fortune. Yes, it
1: definitely was. And what was the host's name? Peter, Peter? Tremarkin,
0: he died in a he plane died. crash. Yeah, I remember
1: that. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah,
0: it was really yeah.
1: Tremarkin?
0: Tremarkin. See yeah, yeah. I know way too much about okay. this show. You, all you right. hit one yeah, of my all time. Good. I mean I'm a game show person and okay. that that was Press Your Luck was. It was I on think that USA was when I was growing up. Yeah, well, they, yeah, USA used to run like ten game shows in a yeah. row in the afternoon, and I would watch like every single one of them. I mean, somewhere, Bumper Stumpers was kind of kind of Oh, I don't know. About, that yeah, it was like, it was like every like, vanity. Uh, uh, it was like bumper stickers on cars, or yeah, I don't know. It was it was terrible, but they had they had good ones. But yeah, Press Your Luck was yeah. was by far the best. If I had to bring, well, this is the thing. Uh, my answer to the question of what should I bring back was, I, I used to say as a joke. This was a. I would. Some of my friends. Oh, we, can I
1: change my answer? Oh yes. Yeah, Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no. Golden
0: Girls. You bring the Golden Girls. Yeah. There's only one left.
1: Well, I know, but You'd find I new bringing, Golden Girls. And Rose would be their neighbor. Well, yeah. I need to, anyway, to I, I need to, I need to
0: ask a follow-up question. Yeah. Are you saying you would reanimate the deceased Golden Girls, or would you find new Golden Girls?
1: No, I would redo it with new characters' names, but they would be like their daughters or something. So there would be like yeah. their character traits, but the same quality of writing. I like that.
0: Yeah. But in the in the writing, in the, the mix of characters is so essential. Yeah. You need like the the wisecracking New Yorker and the yes. the sort of. Well-meaning Blanch. dope from Minnesota. I
1: know.
0: <laughs> it was, yeah, that was a. It's it, a the good other thing About the Golden Girls too, was it was a Saturday night sitcom, which yeah. would never, would never yes. have anymore. I know. You know. I can't
1: believe I watched it as a kid. I mean, it's racy. I love, I love the reruns on Lifetime, still.
0: Um, let's see. Why don't you pick another number? Let's see what else we have here. We'll do this for a few minutes while these comments accumulate.
1: Three.
0: Three. This is very apt for today. Okay. 105 degrees and humid or five below and frigid which would you rather and just to clarify no precipitation in either case
1: and do i have appropriate clothing
0: um yes
1: okay then definitely
0: cold (laughs) definitely like layers yeah
1: because you can't you can't resolve humidity like hot humid there's nothing you can do
0: do you do you prefer the winter to the summer
1: uh not in new york so like been a, in other places, yeah. So in New York yeah. today.
0: It felt like 105 degrees. Yeah. Did you like today, or did you?
1: No, I stayed inside. All
0: day. <laughs> <laughs> were you did part in of in
1: front you of think, my AC? Yeah. Was
0: part of you like a, I wish it was January 15th or something?
1: I no, I was more October. I love like October.
0: Yeah, October is yeah. great. Yes, I'm a. Where are you from originally? West Virginia. West Virginia. What part of uh, West Virginia? Charleston, West Virginia. That's the capital city. That's right. I know nothing else about it, but it, oh, uh, I, ha, no. Here's, the, here's what I know about West Virginia is uh, the John Denver. song. Yeah. Am I just? The, do you actually like that song there? Or do I you, love yeah, it. Country, yeah. yeah.
1: It names most of the um, places it names are actually in Virginia.
0: That's right. But the we Shenandoah still love it. Yeah. The Shenandoah River. Yeah. But the best,
1: the best thing in West Virginia, the best moment to be there is in uh, at Mountaineer Field after a football game. After the Mountaineers win, and everyone arm in arm stands up, they don't leave, and you all sing "Country Roads" together, and it's the most powerful. It's very special. I, it's I, a very good moment.
0: I love the idea of state pride. Not every mm-hmm. state has that. Yeah, you know, and I, we got it, it big. I'm from Massachusetts. We have, I mean, Boston. There's a there's a thing, yeah. and the Red Sox they'll they'll play, you know, dirty water after the games, right? But West, the entire state of West Virginia
1: is like it's very closely knit. I get yeah, that impression. no one else defends it but us. So it's, <laughs> it's it's up to us. Yeah, I, I and dr- we love it. It's a one, It was a wonderful place to grow up, and I love it. I
0: drove through um, uh, once, and, um, and I don't mean to be the the, the, the obnoxious uh, caricature of the East Coast. Per- so I was in a Volvo. Go ahead. And I'll just tell you a minute. <laughs> this is what happened. I was, in, I was like in a Volvo, and there are two things I remember at West Virginia. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. it was a beautiful state, no Stunning. question about it. Um, every we were on the wherever the interstate is going through it. Um, every five miles, up on the hills there would be three crosses. Yeah. It, like, Jesus and the two... I mean, it, yeah. were, I, I must have seen 200 crosses along the interstate, which I was just like, wow, this is, you know... And then I, I pulled up at a, I a gas... I went to the gas station and a, a, the, a truck pulled up right next to me and it had the gun rack and, and a, you know, and, and I don't, you know... I was a little scared, but I shouldn't have been. He wasn't trying to... I'm sure he wasn't trying to hurt me, but...
1: <laughs> um, the crosses are an interesting story because they're not a West Virginia thing. I think it's like a kind of... S- like upper South, Midwestern thing. There was a wealthy guy. I don't know. This. Somebody should look it up on the internet and tell us. But there was a wealthy guy, and that's how he chose to use his wealth. And they're all over. Oh, there was like one. You, this
0: is like a campaign by one yeah. guy to. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. And
1: they're like. I think they're they're sort of blue, and then this one's on the sides are gold, or it's the other way around. I haven't seen them in a few years, but but they're everywhere.
0: Now, do you do you get back to West Virginia much?
1: Uh, I get. My parents are still there. Yeah. Been back twice in the last couple of months. Because
0: my uh, my parents moved up to Maine. I'm from Massachusetts originally. My parents moved up to Maine in there for their sort of like semi-retirement, and it's uh, I,
1: it's a good place to visit. To visit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> See, now I feel guilty for not visiting. <laughs> so I, they're from Connecticut originally. I tell them just come to Connecticut. I'll meet you there, and they they never seem to they never seem to uh, 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 appreciate that. Um, <laughs>
1: I'll I'll come visit you, but you have to meet me halfway, parents. Isn't that reasonable?
0: (laughs) She could see her brother, she could see her old high school, she could you know. I don't think she liked her high school, but I'm sure we could find something. Where's home
1: for you? Like where do you think of as home?
0: It, it, it's i still think of my hometown.
1: I'm from Groton, Massachusetts, and
0: I, I, I would i it's a you know, small town, you know, 30 miles northwest of Boston that's you know, I wouldn't be no particular reason for me to live there right now, but that's still i i guess I do think of that as home. No. Do you think of West Virginia as home?
1: Definitely. Yep. Do, you, do you
0: think you might go back there, like,
1: someday? Um, not right now. I went back. I was there for five years after college. I went back after going away and um, started in radio there, at West Virginia Public Radio. So oh, I, okay. I loved it. I mean, I loved it. It was a great place to start in media because there was nobody else I mean, you weren't competing with anybody else in terms of NPR reporters or anything else. And there's a lot of good stories there.
0: So how did you, so you started out at West Virginia Public
1: Radio. Was WNYC the next stop? I went to Connecticut. I went to WNPR in Hartford and covered the state house and then came down here. And were you there when uh, uh, the,
0: the John Rowland was the governor of Connecticut? I who just got in missed Rowland. Uh, he was, all that he was in prison
1: when I showed up. Um, <laughs> He's back there now, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> uh, I was there during the—I I was driving north the day Lehman Brothers collapsed. So okay. I was there during a time of major financial uh, disarray in the Connecticut state budget.
0: Now, how uh, covering politics versus what you're doing now? You say you kind of got tired of the the more of like the sort of the horse racy superficial aspects of it. But I imagine covering and I, I, this is my experience because I started out covering New Jersey state politics. Uh-huh. And also, a lot more, of good
1: stories. Right.
0: I find well, that's what I find. I find there are great stories in state politics or New York City politics. At the national level, I don't feel like you get to know people that well. But when you're covering a state house or a city you meet some real interesting characters yeah
1: absolutely it's fun i mean and and also like i feel like the gap between the politics coverage and the policy is a little bit narrower i I don't know at least covering like legislative politics you know you're covering the characters and you're covering the drama but you can make that link to how this is going to affect taxpayers lives more directly i think than you can in national politics you know you get you get into the just sort of these big picture, you know, ideological conversations in national politics. And I liked I like it I like it just being a little bit more um, specific about why why the drama you're covering matters to people's lives.
0: And what about so you covered the the mayor's race in New York in 2013. Uh-huh. And what so what was De Blasio like to, to cover as a candidate back because at the beginning of that race nobody thought yeah. he was going to go anywhere.
1: Yeah, that was so fascinating. Um, yeah, I covered. I can remember. I was actually not in town the day he declared. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> wasn't um, much of a story. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of my colleagues covered it, but I, I, you know, it just was sort of like he was so far back, it just wasn't going to be a, a factor. Um, the thought was that Christine Quinn, the speaker of the city council, was kind of the the um, shoe in, at least for the Democratic nomination. And um, but I can remember. Uh, there were two moments of the campaign that were, were really interesting. It was like right before the Democratic primary, um, and it was after de Blasio had started running the campaign, or the commercial with his son, with Dante, his son with an afro that told the New York voters that you know he had a, a mixed-race family. Um, and I was in a Caribbean, a majority Caribbean neighborhood in a senior center, and I was talking to this African-American guy, or Caribbean-American guy, and he kind of, like, stops talking to me and looks at de Blasio and points to his son and goes, is that really your kid? And then and he just, like, and then he turned all his attention to de Blasio, and it was I was like, oh, this is the really mattering. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really going to matter. Um, and then another moment that was really, I think, sort of, uh helped me figure out the show the Death sex and money um was i got to talk to bill de blasio about his father and his father's suicide um and his father's history of alcoholism and uh, and that interview was really it really stayed with me and i think was not comfortable for him to do but it had been covered in the tabloids that his father had committed suicide and so he was going to address it once um and that was that was an interesting conversation because it said a lot about who he is as a man and the choices he'd made about the way he was going to raise his family and what it was like to have a dad who wasn't reliable.
0: And the, like, the conversation is interesting because obviously that's a very human conversation to have with a, with a politician. But, I mean, you've talked to some public figures on, on your show right now. Alan Burstyn, I think. And I was listening to one. Uh, I remember there was a a, a cop uh, yeah. recently, right? a, a yeah, dirty yeah. cop, and he yeah. was so. Sometimes you have people who put their names on it and, and kind of own it. But how important is it to your show and to your ability to tell the stories you want to tell that you can give them some level of, of anonymity? Are, are,
1: um, I you know. For listeners, for people who come to us and say, "I'm willing to tell you this story, um, but please don't use my name," because m- mostly the case where we don't use their name or we or we only use their first name is when there are consequences for other people in their lives. Whether it's you know someone who they you know cheated on, or you know, or whether it's. Um, Talked to a brother who was talking about the difficulty of having a sister with uh, mental illness, and, and so it's it's protecting those relationships in their lives. Um, yeah.
0: Because I remember I did I, I wrote a uh, I wrote a, a publicly revealing essay a, a few years ago, and, and it was it's one of those it's, it's I, I, I didn't think things through too much at, at the time, and now it's been you know three or four years, and I, I, I sort of think back. I some different thoughts on, on how I might do it differently now and everything but th- there was that like I remember the, the instinct that drove me to do it was it, it will feel for what I was sort of dealing with at the time like it would feel good to just put this out there and I'll have no more excuses in my it will improve my private life if I do this publicly that was sort of mm-hmm. the instinct that I had
1: Did it? Yes
0: Yeah No I think yes. it did yeah. I, I think it yeah. I tell people like I wrote this this is like a coming out essay yeah. and um, I, I, I'm glad I wrote it um, I expected I'd hear from people. Um, I, I, what I didn't expect I mean I still hear I still get emails from people who just like stumbled across it, which which kind of surprises me all these years later. I probably would have written it I, I, half of it I half of it I like the other half of it I was like it was a little too gushy or whatever. but you know <laughs> overall I'm, 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 I'm kind of glad I did it. yeah you know, so but it's, it's interesting because I, I hear all the people on your show and I just I wonder if that's sort of what's motivating them too is it's sort of like they see some kind of disorder or chaos in their personal lives and and this is like this is the way to address it this is this is the thing that's going to make it better if i do this
1: yeah i mean there's certainly like you know there's all sorts of personal essays and i feel like you know there more and more i feel like memoir and personal essays are a currency that people you know go to but um but i think that that's right and i think on this show it's also about like just like working it out by saying it out loud, but also finding a community that you don't feel alone and figuring that out, you know. Like, I want to... There's an episode that's about my love life. It was one of the first episodes. And um, it was about a breakup that I went through um, with my now fiancé. We're getting married. Um, So I'll tell you the end of the story first. But we were broken up. I thought I was done moving on. Um, And he decided he didn't want to move on. And he... Uh, he speaking of politics. He wrote a letter to former Wyoming Senator Alan Simpson, asking for him to intervene and give me a call. On Alan, behalf.
0: Alan Simpson yeah.
1: of Wyoming. Yeah. Alan are Simpson. you are you
0: a big Alan Simpson fan or?
1: Uh, um, Arthur, Arthur. The way he tells it, he thought it would be, like we were in that moment of a breakup where you're just like, don't even call. Like I just need space. Everything was just like tired and heavy, and he thought it would make me laugh. <laughs> And it did. Wait, so, so
0: Alan, Alan Simpson called <laughs> He called
1: you. my cell phone. Yeah.
0: A- just tell me how that conversation went. It
1: was biz- I-, I didn't pick it. I was, like, away from my desk, and I pick up this phone message, and he says, uh, Miss <laughs> Anna Sale, this is Senator Alan Simpson, <laughs> or Alan Simpson, former U.S. Senator from the wilds of Wyoming given you a call not an urgent matter and uh he gave me his phone number and i was like what is this about and i was like oh maybe he wants me to write a book about him that was my first thought and then i was like <laughs> no wait, arthur uh, it, <laughs> is an ecologist and he does he's he's done field work in wyoming and then i was like oh this is arthur's work i have no idea how and then i called him back and he got he he got on the phone with me, and then his wife Ann got on the phone with me. They've been married sixty <laughs> years, and they gave me couples advice, couples counseling. Yeah. This is crazy. I can't believe this. Gotta, that's like one of the best. Episodes oh no, I haven't said, I haven't heard this one. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the first episodes, and it was about like you know, we were in a long distance relationship. I was a reporter in New York. He was this PhD student in Wyoming. And like, were we ever gonna be in the same place? And I, was I wasting time? And so it was about talking to Alan Simpson and his wife about like how they'd gotten through hard times. You know, they'd had some long distance periods. Ha- they would had moments where she was really disappointed in him, including the Anita Hill, you know, the Clarence Thomas hearings and, right. and the she way the that big, he behaved. Right. He was a big
0: uh, defender. Right.
1: Um, so uh, so I think that indicated to listeners of Death, Sex, and Money that like, I also have not figured out this stuff. Um, but in that case, because it involved my personal life, like... It was about, you know, Arthur got got uh, full veto power in the drafts of that and figuring out how we were going to talk about our relationship. Yeah. Wow. wow. So
0: now, and so you're you're engaged now. Yeah. And are, are the are the Simpsons coming to the coming to the wedding? They better, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. They're they're really good friends to us. It's kind of, it's amazing. Well,
0: that is a uh, that is a, a fantastic story. Um, yeah. A lot of people. I'm just looking at some of the comments on here. A lot of people are as uh, are as uh, uh, amazed by that story as I am. Somebody also said they were listening to the music in the background here. They said, "Thank God, some uh, music from the '70s on." Although it was the Four Tops oh. when that came in, that's from the <laughs> '60s. But, but yeah, our favorite, <laughs> our favorite bartender, uh, Ian, the bartender, is back. He's usually here on Monday nights, but he's here tonight, and he plays the best music. It's oh. one of the reasons. It's one of the reasons we picked this place. Um, speaking of picking, why don't you pick another number and let's see what uh, let's right. see what fate brings you.
1: Um. Uh. Thirteen.
0: Lucky number 13. True sure or false? Live concerts are overrated.
1: <laughs> um, you know how I feel about live concerts? I loved... You know what? The, uh, live concerts where you have to stand up the whole time, I now feel are overrated.
0: Too much. Too yeah. much standing.
1: I prefer concerts where you're on a blanket outside. That's my favorite. And second favorite is in a seat, with a seat assignment. So you don't have to, like jockey for position
0: I, I feel there's a the live version of, of, a, of a song you know is gonna it has more energy because you're there and it's more authentic but I like the reason I like the song is because I know the polished version and I kind of like
1: <laughs> oh my <if> god I... <laughs> that's a bad reason to not like live
0: music <laughs> that's why I wrote that question <laughs> this is like this is like the uh, sneezing, romantic thought thing. I, was, I always say that in the hopes that somebody will be like, "Yeah, I like the studio version." <laughs> <laughs> so no,
1: you
0: no, can't don't agree with you. You can't <laughs> relate to that, boy I'm, I'm trying to trying to forge a connection here <laughs> over oh a lifetime on this. Um, <laughs> right, we have some more here. See what, well, give me another number. Let's see what else we have.
1: Um, uh,
0: two. Number two. I like this question. Uh, Which is the most obnoxious Ivy League school and which is the least intolerable?
1: Least intolerable. (laughs) Well, um, let's see. Uh this isn't really fair. As, <laughs> Wait,
0: I should uh, ask first. Where did, where did you... I go to college? Yeah. I
1: went to Stanford, so that's also obnoxious in its own way. It's not um, Ivy League, though. It's not as obnoxious as Ivy League schools, and that's part of the reason why I went to Stanford. Um, I feel just based... I have no actual life experience that has demonstrated this, but I feel like the reputation of Princeton mm. is that it's the most obnoxious.
0: Princeton has those
1: that it's like the, even eat, more legacy-ish. Yeah, that's eating Right. Like and they were, that, very, those were fraternities.
0: Yeah. I've always, yeah, my, my uh, bottom two uh, that I uh, find the most obnoxious are Princeton and Dartmouth.
1: Dartmouth? Yeah. Huh.
0: And I think the, the most tolerable to me is Cornell. My uh, sister
1: went to Cornell and she's and that's why. supremely tolerable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my cousin
0: went there too. Okay. My cousin was in the, I guess Cornell has this, uh, uh, there's, there's regular Cornell and there's like an inner a, 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 ag school or something. Yeah. So he was in that. and, He's it, down to and I think people Cornell. look down yeah. at the, they're like, oh, you didn't really go to Cornell, you went to this one. But he was in that, and he became, he wanted to do like a hotel restaurant management and this was the place to go. So yeah. He like, you know. I
1: think, uh, I also had my first bite of a Honeycrisp apple at Cornell uh, because they, I think that somehow it was invented there. I don't know if it that's was, true. I mean, uh, Internet, what, check that out. What is but it called? I, it's a the what? Honey, the Honeycrisp apple. Don't you know the honey, don't you get fancy apples? I, I don't eat
0: apples. What? what? <laughs>
1: How do you live? (laughs) Honey crisp are the expensive apples, but they are really worth it in apple season because they're crisp and also sweet.
0: Are they coated with honey?
1: No no, it's just a (laughs) do you walk down the produce aisle ever? I don't go to the grocery store.
0: (laughs) I I have like three things to eat. (laughs) I'm not Um, healthy. (laughs) I'm not well.
1: I also feel like you work really hard at Cornell, and that's like like there's a culture of just like nose to the grindstone, hardworking people. I'll
0: go. I'll go with that that's answer. Good. Yeah. I just mostly want to bash the Ivy League, yeah. so yeah.
1: Where did you go to college? Uh,
0: interesting story. If you um, if you check the Wikipedia page that they set up for me, it says I went to the University of Vermont, mm-hmm. which is completely untrue. Uh, I went to Boston University. Um, I officially graduated, but I don't have a diploma. And I also have eight credits from the University of Massachusetts at Lowell. So,
1: at Lowell.
0: Yeah, I like to claim UMass Lowell. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I'll go That's with the Vermont very, thing. Yeah. You know.
1: Well, uh, why don't you have a diploma?
0: So I, it was uh, like a week before graduation, um, I, I had run out of money, and there was a, a phone you could call. We have the U alum here who knows. There was a, At the time, if you were in the in the cafeteria, there was this phone you could call and they would just charge your account like 25 bucks and you, now I have $25 to spend on food. So I was like, I'm doing this. They printed the diplomas. I have no money. I just want to eat this week. So I bought I, I 25 bucks, which was five tuna fish sandwiches. So for the week, I had one tuna fish sandwich a day. And then we get to graduation and they tell you, Well, we're going to give you an envelope. You walk on the stage, you get an envelope. And there's either a diploma or there's a letter telling you why there's no diploma. So I get the envelope and my parents, you know, they're all excited. I open the envelope, it's empty. I got an empty envelope. There's no, you know. So I walk over, there's this tent, there's a woman who runs the whole thing and I ask her what's going on and she says, uh, uh, she looks at it and and she says she doesn't know why and she's going to be on vacation for two weeks and here's my card. So I got my my parents are right there. My mom, the only thing she wants is the picture. Me, mom, the diploma. This yeah. is they've been building this for years, yeah. 20 years, you know. And so I took my friend Matt's diploma. <laughs> so the official our family pictures, me with my arm around my mom, holding up the diploma. And if you look closely, it says Matthew Evan Kaplan. And then as I called them, it's because they they call it like a day before graduation. I owe them 25 bucks. So then I graduate, and they start sending me a bill. Every uh, you know, every few months to my parents' house, I told my mom, my mom's like, just please, get the diploma. I was like, too late now. I called up BU. They said, if an employer calls, we'll tell them you graduated officially.
1: You can never get a diploma?
0: Well, no, you can if you pay them 25 bucks. So I told my mom, collect all the bills. And when they have spent more than $25 in postage trying to collect it, I will then send it back to them and say, here's your $25, cost you 25 20 to get it, now give me my damn diploma. But what happened was after a couple of years, they just stopped sending the bills. So we're at a standstill. Did
1: your parents help you pay for college?
0: Yes. So I feel guilty.
1: Wouldn't yes. it be nice? Yes. <laughs> Show
0: your mom your diploma. I know, but it's the principal, Dan. I mean, that they sucked so much money from us. I felt like, you know, and, then, and now they call up. You get those you get those calls from the donation-seeking oh, goons who that, want, yeah. you know. And I'm, yeah. So I, I give to UMass every time. Every time I get a BU call, you know. Or some, maybe you have a better relationship with Stanford. I don't, I don't. know. You know.
1: I. I don't give my charitable dollars to Stanford. I feel like they. Have you don't enough need the money, right? No. There are yes. much better
0: places than a, yes. a college with that kind of endowment. I also. Yeah. I feel that way about BU. Owns like half of Boston. There's no. Yeah. There's no reason for that. Um. Let me ask you this about, <laughs> about
1: I'm learning so much. About your. Uh, oh, I got a
0: lot to get off yeah. my chest here. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this about your show so well they, I actually I didn't know the Alan Simpson one and I feel uh-huh. dumb I should have known that one but what is is that your favorite is that your favorite episode or do you have a
1: favorite episode you've done um, I have lots of favorites uh, I really liked the episode with Jane Fonda because it was very I didn't know she was very open and it was really interesting to just talk to her about the arc of her life and how, how did that one come about she had just written a book called Being a Teen when she was 76 years old so I got in touch with the publisher and said, this is interesting. Uh, can I talk to her about why she decided to write this book and other things? And they said yes. So it turns out she had a very, you know, her, her mom committed suicide when she was a teen- teenager and talked about that, how that was a very formative experience, like not having... Um, you know, having Henry Fonda as a dad and losing your mom uh, when you're a teenager and trying to figure out what it is to be a woman. And it, she sort of, that's a storyline that kind of threads through her various marriages and figuring out how to be whole. Yep. And she
0: is, I've seen her. I mean, 70, 76 she looks very good for 76, she doesn't she? Does. She
1: She looks fantastic. She looks fantastic, and she's worked really hard to... You know she's she's worked really hard and she's admitted she's also gotten work, but it, she seems like she's very uh, happy where she is now. Yeah.
0: She talked to you about uh, uh, Ted Turner at all? She
1: did. What she have to say about that? She said uh, that it was really terrifying to leave that marriage because she she described it as having an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other, and one one was telling her you know get over yourself, Jane. You know this guy can has. You know, mansions all over the place and you're taking care of for the rest of your life. What's your problem? And then there was a whisper on the other shoulder telling her if she stayed in the marriage, she'd never fully be whole. So she left him and uh, moved in with her daughter in her 60s in a room without a closet. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, But one of my other favorite episodes, because it's so surprising, that we never hear conversations like this is uh, a former NFL player named Dominique Foxworth, who everyone should be interviewing because he's a fascinating talker. And he was a, he worked for the union. Um, he was a union rep uh, for the NFL. He's now the number two guy at the NBA Players Union after a finishing at Harvard um, Business School. But he talked about what it was to be uh, a professional athlete um, to, to be a college athlete where you're a celebrity when you're 18 and you know you're gonna be a millionaire you know when you're a teenager um, you you know you're gonna be a millionaire and you know your' you know teammates are not and what that does to your friendships um, he talked about race on campus going to University of Maryland and what it was to have women white women throwing themselves at him and that kind of charged uh, dynamic um, and then he talked about like losing heart in the NFL by watching the negotiations and how owners talked about players and how I kind of felt okay when he had a career-ending injury. And it's, it's like, wow, we know all this stuff is kind of happening, but the coverage of professional football does not allow us to fully get to know these players and, you know, these details
0: of their lives. Is is there a, I mean, it's like, it's the cliché question to ask anybody in in journalism, but like, is there, and and what you do is so different too, because so much of what you do is just, it's everyday people, but you also have these, is there a, like, a celebrity, a a public figure, a politician, somebody you would love to, you, you think would be perfect for this show, you would love to interview for this show?
1: I mean, that's a big question. It changes all the time. But I I really am drawn to, like, people who are just so much a part of our culture and you just feel like you see everywhere but don't know. Um, I mean, there's something, this is kind of a dark turn on that question, but just, like, all of the recent coverage about Bill Cosby and just the ways that when we actually hear how he talked about women, uh, how, like disgusting and disappointing and you know uh, it is not that I want to interview Bill Cosby but there's something that like if we only get to know this one layer of people and so I think if you just just anybody who you sort of see and feel like you know one story about and then just asking them like what was it like when you ran out of money in college who'd you call for help you know just just little details like that just to fill in some gaps that's sort of what I think about when I think about who I want to
0: interview. You mentioned the Kazi one. The, the person I'd like to hear on that is his wife. Yeah. I, I'm just so, <laughs> so curious about it. said this. to me,
1: I want to hear Tempest Bledsoe. <laughs> 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 Which I would too. <laughs> Vanessa, what do you think about Didn't this? You were a teenager Girl Wasn't there the sky. One, of
0: the, one of the cast members? I thought I, I saw this week. I forgot who came out and was like, "Of course he did it." Or, or oh, I don't know. I can't remember who who it was. But yeah, I mean, that's one of those. We talk about all these shows. I mean, coming back, he was before this. I mean, of course, this stuff's been out there for years in a way. But before this, this really exploded in the last year. He was due for a comeback. He was gonna. There was a, yeah. NBC was developing a show, and uh, and it was one of those. I always, I mean, as a kid, I, I, I was right in that. Growing up, right in that period when The Cosby Show was the biggest thing in the world, I loved and, it as know, a kid. Yeah,
1: we watched it as a family. And I even in the last two
0: years, when I would I would be on like channel three hundred eighty-five or whatever, and it like it, the, the rerun would come on, and it was like comfort food. It was like I was like, this was so like this was the best of our country, and like you know, it's 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 unbelievable in a way. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, reading this, all the stuff that came out from that, but. Um, We have a a few minutes left. Let's uh, let's let's not end on that. Let's get one more. Yeah, let's let's end on a good icebreaker (laughs) question. Uh, Pick another number here that you haven't already picked. Uh,
1: Let's see. Have I? I said. Have I said four? You have not. And I also have a request from the internet.
0: Oh, what's that? Have you? Yeah, I've been Um, trying to.
1: Please suggest a fruit or vegetable that Steve should try. (laughs) Please (laughs) (laughs) suggest.
0: Uh, well, well, go ahead, what's a, what's a vegetable, I'll ask you this after you tell me what's a vegetable I should try. You told me I should have the honey glazed apples. I mean,
1: I'm you, <laughs> I mean that is my thing, like apples and peanut butter, like I will, that is like my jam, oh, well, that like that is my, yeah, it's Mostly like, the peanut butter, but it can yeah. be a snack, it can be dessert that's like
0: that's I would are, are apples a that. vegetable or are they a no fruit or vegetable
1: they're fruit. yeah they're fruit
0: okay she's saying apples she's saying yeah. apples and apples. peanut butter and yeah. we'll, we'll and by the way I'm glad you caught that and I apologize to the meerkat folks usually Jeff Eldridge is here to play the role of moderator <laughs> and, and to ask he'll, he'll monitor this and ask us I, I apologize we haven't gotten to you as much tonight and don't hold it against us keep coming back next week but until then uh, we have question four for Anna O this is one I wrote specifically for your show. I'm oh, glad you picked gosh. this one. This okay. may be the best question of the bunch. What is the closest you have come to dying without actually dying?
1: Oh, that's a that could that's a big question. Um, I have been very healthy and very fortunate to have been healthy for most of my life. Uh, so I guess I have two answers. I mean, I've only been under. Anesthesia once to get my wisdom teeth out, which I feel like is close to death.
0: Were you scared of the of doing that? Uh,
1: kind of, it's just, you know, to lose consciousness, it's scary. But I, I mean, I, I had no complications, but I feel like that's close to death. And then I have this memory as a kid of being on my bike, um, and, and like getting off to the side of the road, and like maybe, and like falling into the road somehow, in a car having to stop abruptly. I kind of have this image of a bumper not too far from my head, but I I could have been a dream, but I feel like it You could have been a dream I think it happened I'm pretty pretty sure I was with Margaret and we were on Hampton Road where I grew up and I think I like fell into the road Well do you, I mean this is, everybody's uh, biking
0: in New York, do you bike around New York City? I don't is it, is it no. because of this experience? Like, is that mostly
1: <laughs> because I live on the third floor of an apartment building, and I don't want to carry a bike upstairs? And there's
0: this bike share program, City Bike. You don't want to. You don't want any part of that.
1: Uh, I haven't joined. No. <laughs> I know. No, it's, I, I'm, uh, I was I'm like, watching bikers today, and I was like, Anna, if you really wanted to like embrace life, you would bike around this city. But I just haven't haven't gotten haven't is, incorporated that into my life. I, I did,
0: Like I, I, had, I biked as a kid. I, I didn't do it for for 15 years or whatever. And I joined the city bike thing just because it was. I was like, oh, let me try this. And I remember the first time about a year ago, I got on the bike in New York City, in the middle of the street, It was like Gleaker Street or something, and it was. It was so weird. It was like, I'm not supposed to be seeing the road from this perspective. Yeah. And I saw, all, all I saw was, like, all the potential fatalities. Like, the door in this car could open up in the street, you know. The, the taxi could graze me, the, the tractor, trip, whatever. But within a week, I felt totally comfortable. I didn't think about it. And I'm out there all the time now on this day. It is going to kill me someday. I'm, I'm pretty convinced of this. Like it's it's. I the, mean, people you know.
1: really do drive like maniacs in this city. And you're from Massachusetts, so you're probably used to that. Have <laughs> grown up there, but I am not used to it. I feel like I get really angry uh, at drivers who who seem to be taking all of our lives uh, not and not seriously. So,
0: well, we have just a, just a couple minutes, so let me let me close on some uh, big picture uh, uh, themes. Okay. You, you've created this show, yep. and it's I was like I, really cool. Um, where, where do you want to go from here?
1: Um, I don't know. I really want to just keep making the show. It's been a really fun, fun time to be in podcasting and to to discover that there's an audience for on-demand audio that's growing. I mean, I, I started the show a little more than a year ago, and six months in, the show Serial happened, which is the This American Life spinoff, and, and like it just kind of created a whole new buzz and a whole new audience for podcasts, so it feels like a really exciting time to be making the show.
0: And podcasts are like... I can remember a few years ago, five or six years ago I had a job at a website and I had to, an editing job and I was trying to give them a plan of action and one of the things I suggested was was podcast, and they, they kind of came back at me that they thought podcasts at that point were already kind of passe. I feel like there's this second kind of podcast revolution—not revolution, but you know, like uh, insurgency yeah. going on here right now. It's you know? cool.
1: I mean, there's like you know, there's all sorts of different kinds. There's the traditional chat show, but then there's really incredible artistry happening um, that, like, it's a totally new listening experience that's not something you used to you could find on the radio. So it's it's fun, and it's really fun as a like creative person like to realize you like all the constraints that I kind of learned uh, while being a radio reporter like all of those are out the window so it's just like what the limits of what we can do is like how bold we feel like we can be you know I mean it's fun
0: right. and a sale death sex and money yeah if you have not checked this thing out it's so easy to download these there's a bunch of episodes online go get them and I'm gonna start start with me on the Alan Simpson <laughs> matchmaker episode, which yeah. I have not. I have it also not, ran I on notice, This American but.
1: Life. Yeah, the, yeah. Oh, somebody was asking. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah.
0: That is that is the. I mean, people have like stories about. I've heard interesting stories about how couples get together. By far, the best. An 80-year-old yeah. former United States senator from uh, from Wyoming calls you on the phone. <laughs> you yeah, shouldn't really think about this again. And here's my wife to tell you more. That's a fantastic story. It was pretty
1: amazing. His wife is an amazing woman. That's yeah. a
0: fantastic story. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This thank was you. really fun.
1: Thank you for having me. All right. And thank you, everybody,
0: for joining us on Meerkat tonight or for listening on the podcast or for watching on Shift. We'll be back here very soon with another one of these. And go check out our our podcast. Again, it's listed as Boozy Banter right now. We're looking for a new title. (laughs) we got a bunch of these up there. So go check them out, and we'll see you soon.